You only have so much time. And you have a big assignment. I want the entire world to hear the gospel in my generation. I want every person on this planet to be saved. We open God's Word today together to be subject to it, to be taught by it, to be instructed. Let's go. What you're saying right now is, how did we get here? Well, because people do not believe in the sufficiency of Scripture, and ultimately that's where it is. Yep. Being Reformed is more than just affirming the five solas. It's more than just affirming Tulip. No one is outside the reach of Christ and His blood. If we are truly Reformed, there should be a sanctification, a desire to be sanctified by Christ, by holding onto as tight as we can the one who makes us white as snow. You can no more born yourself again than you born yourself the first time. Just so that you guys don't think we're just pulling stuff out of our cans here. This is Matter of Theology, the place where theology matters because everything is a matter of theology. Uh, if you want to know why, go ahead and message us and ask us so we can tell you. That's right. I am Drew. I am uh, your main leading host for this episode. Uh, usually it is Chris, but we decided, well, I guess I'll lead this one out. Uh, and you'll find <laughs> out why. You will find out why. But uh, Chris, um, how are you doing? I'm good, brother. How are you? I am well. I'm well. Um, you know, I feel like we just did work. this. And, and I, I love like it. We did. Yeah. And, and I, love, I love the frequency. Yeah. Yeah. We, we did just do this. So, uh, we did. but uh, you know, you you may hear a crying baby or a uh, temper tantrum toddler uh, in the other room. Um, I had to try to find as quiet a place as I could to set up, um, and this was the only place I found, and it was next to a crying baby and a temper tantrum toddler. Keeping but, it real, bro. Keeping, keeping it real. Keeping it real, man. Yeah, it's real life. Life of That's a it. dad. Life of a, of a dad. That's what it is. That's it, man. Okay. But on today's episode, this is really just going to be a bonus episode. Um, it's true. So we, we just kind of said, uh, hey, let's discuss this and let's do it tonight because right. we were talking back and forth. We're talking back and forth today uh, like we do most days. And it was just so, so much of the things we were talking about were things we just had to get down and get out. Mm. Um, for the peoples, uh, to hear. And so let me, let me give you the listener a backstory to this bonus episode of matter of theology. So there is a podcast that, uh, sometimes I, I listen to, um, and one of the hosts is, a is actually holds to a lot of word of faith theology and a word of faith teaching. 
Uh, the other hosts holds to Pentecostal teaching. Now, uh, if you followed us on our Holy Spirit Activate uh, episode, you, then you know that one thing that Chris and I are, are trying to do this year, and it's something we planned to do, we actually decided last year that we were going to do, is we're going to take one episode a month and devote it to uh, dealing with issues in Pentecostalism and, and the charismatic movement as it yeah. pertains to to some of, some of the views that come from there, especially dealing with the gifts of the Spirit. And yeah. one of the things that you'll notice is how the gifts are enacted now is not the same way they're enacted back then. So there's a disconnect there, but we'll deal with those on later episodes as they come up. But uh, one of the things that this, this podcast does is they say, hey, if you have any questions or if you have any challenges, email us and we'll discuss those things. So I took them up on it. I sent an email and I sent 10 questions. 10 questions to the one host who holds to Word of Faith theology, and then one question to the other host um, who is a Pentecostal. And and the reason I I really sent the one question to the one guy is because he made a statement in one episode, and I was like, well, I'm curious, who would you say these type of people are? Um, But we'll get into that as well. Um, So basically, let's just get in, and and, let me tell you, I, on the episode they just put out, they were addressing some of these questions. Now they didn't yeah. get to all of them, and of course, when when you I sent ten questions, which is kind of a lot of questions, okay. Um, but they didn't answer all of them, and even in the ones that they did answer, they gave what we would call answers that are not answers. So they didn't actually yeah. answer the question. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of problematic. And so what Chris and I did was we said, well, how about we go over those questions and then we answer them? So All we're right. going to. And now now I wrote these questions. Chris only knows one of the questions. He hasn't even two. seen the other. OK, two. What's the other? I one know two know? of the questions. Uh, ne- the the who would you say is neo reformed? Neo reformed. Can you name the- Can you name five false teachers today? <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Cool. I, know, I, know. Um, I remember those two. Yeah. So so he hasn't seen the others that I sent. So Chris is seeing these for the first time, and um, well, I'm the one who wrote them. So, but basically, let's just let's go in and let's start with the first question. Chris, are you ready for this? Yeah. And, and just as a, as an aside, um, you know, if you guys couldn't tell maybe from the last few episodes of matter of, well, well, for a while now, um, I like to have notes in front of me. Um, I like to really think about things before we address topics on matter of theology. And I like to personally, I, 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 I want to be as all sided with the topics that we talk about as possible. Um, I, I try to be, and, and do I fail at that? most likely often. Um, and, but today on this episode, um, I don't have any notes. I, 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 all I have is my, my beautiful legacy standard Bible sitting here with me and, um, and, and ready to, 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 to rock and roll. So this is going to be truly freestyle matter mm-hmm. of theology. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as, as we are going to be talking about these through these questions and, uh, addressing some of the comments that were made 
Mm-hmm. Uh, if I can the, remember all of them. <laughs> from, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. From, from the other, from the other podcast. And so, um, uh, and, and the reason for doing this is, is because it's, you know, um, I'll say this brother, and then I'll, I'll kick it back over to you and, and we can just get into it. Um, you know, but on this podcast that you're referring to, we're not going to name the podcast because honestly, we don't want you to go listen to it. Um, we, we don't, um, out of care for your soul. Uh, we do not want you to go listen to it because the views expressed in this podcast are heretical. Uh, they're false. Um, they give people false assurance of salvation. Um, that they, they it, it is, it is a doctrine that has been wrought by the twisting of God's word, mm-hmm. um, to, uh, to, to suit tickling ears, ears that need to be tickled. Right. Um, so, and that's not that. And so to our listeners, that's not said lightly. No, that's, no goodness. No, 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 no. Because, because, mm. and you'll see why, yeah. why we say that when we address some of the comments that were made yeah. and yeah. one person who was defended, um, uh, that we're yeah. going to get into. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, um, and, and the last, the last thing I'll say is, is as far as why we really wanted to address some of this stuff is because, you know, we know that, that these views expressed in this podcast are not some small uh, fringe minority, as uh, Justin Trudeau would say, um, <laughs> but, but there are a whole host of, of people mm-hmm. out there who, who believe in this stuff. And mm-hmm. one of the hosts of this podcast is a quote unquote professed pastor of a church. Mm-hmm. Ladies yeah. and gentlemen, when we get into this, you're going to see very, very clearly that that person needs to be discipled and not be mm-hmm. discipling. So. With that right. said, buddy, go ahead. Yeah, and 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 so I do want to also say from the outset that I think these are two guys that I I do I I, I do believe that their heart is genuine. Okay, I be, I, I believe that their their heart is in the right place. They come from a caring perspective, but because they have not been discipled. And and they're they don't really approach things in the right way. They they want to approach things uh full of grace and not full of criticism and actually testing things according. And when I say criticism, I mean testing things according to the scriptures. Because of that, it leads into error. So I don't want to assume on their atten- intentions. I want to actually uh, say that I believe that their heart intention is in the right place. Um, but I think some of it is misguided. Um, and that is and because due to- of that, they are misguiding. Right. Yeah. Because, right. because podcasts are teaching, whether you right. want to view yourself as a teacher or not, anytime you set yourself up and put what you're discussing out there and talk about your view, um, whether you say, now this is just my opinion or whatever, you're still teaching. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we have to keep that in mind. So yeah. th- these views are still being taught. They're teaching right. an audience. Right. Okay. So now, let me get into the first question. Oh boy. The first question says it is obvious that such person has an issue with calling someone a false teacher, despite the numerous passages warning us of false teachers and how we should expose them. In protecting one another, we should point out who the wolves in sheep's clothing are so that we may, so that others may recognize it as well. Uh, can you? lists five false teachers who have risen up from among the brethren 
introducing destructive heresies. Now, now that part was left out. The five false teachers who have risen up from among the brethren, introducing destructive heresies. And I, I cite Second Peter uh, two one, but that part of the question when it was read on air was left out. Oh wow, I didn't and, know that. Yeah, and so uh, so I, I bring up Second Peter two one for a reason because Peter in Second Peter says false prophet or false teachers will arise from among you introducing destructive heresies. And so now part of the criticism of this actual question was that, well, they don't like how the culture is so quick to call someone a false teacher. Well, I don't know who they, the critics they're listening to are, but the, the people we know are not quick to call someone a false teacher. In fact, before the label false teacher is ever issued, diligent research and study goes into who that person is and what right. that person teaches. Right. 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 Yeah. And it's not yeah, just something, that's, something that's yeah. willy nilly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. A process. And so one of the things that I find that is, that is super interesting is the criticism against the critics is always that, well, they're just seeing the lavish lifestyle. They're seeing them talk about prosperity um, and it comes across as greed. And therefore that's what they sink their teeth in. No, it's actually not. We don't believe prosperity is actually a bad thing. If God has blessed you financially, we believe that can be, that can actually be a good thing. Mm -hmm. That's nothing to, to despair and look down on, but what the critics actually examine is their doctrine. Is there how, right. what do they say when they teach about Christ? Right. You know, that, what do they say when they teach about um, the Holy Spirit or the Trinity? These are the things, or salvation, these are the things that are actually criticized. And if you actually listened to the critics, you would know that because uh, just like our friend uh, Justin Peters. He actually comes with an open Bible and he's mm-hmm. examining doctrine. He's not examining mm-hmm. lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Now, there are some where he has examined the lifestyle because right. it's, a, it's a lifestyle of sin. Right. But, but just because someone has money or whatever, he's examining the doctrine and what they actually teach. So it's not about lifestyle. Um, and right. again, if you look at our friend, Justin Peters, what he does he comes to these things with an open Bible and he examines the doctrine. He yep. examines what they teach about Christ, what they teach about salvation, what they teach yep. about the Holy Spirit, the gifts, all these things. Um, he's actually examining doctrine and not their lifestyle. Correct. Um, so now when I asked the question and I tagged on Second Peter 2.1, that was to basically indicate that Peter is saying false teachers will come from among you mm-hmm. and they will introduce heresies, uh, destructive heresies. Now, when they went to actually look at this passage, now they read the whole passage, which I thought was good. Okay. That's fair. Read the passage. But then one of the, the one guy who I really asked the question to, he said, no, no, no. See, they're going to deny Christ. No one that I've, that I've, 
said that I hold to has denied Christ. Well, that's actually <laughs> not what the passage says. Okay. And that's actually what not true. Passage, right. And that's actually not true. So what the passage says is that false teachers will arise from among you, introducing destructive heresies and even so they're going to have heresies and then there are going to be some who go as far as denying christ yeah. so now the, let's the, get the into verse, we, were, yeah, we were talking about this a little bit more practical yeah let go me on. read the verse let me read the verse so uh second peter 2 1 out of the lsb but false prophets also arose among people among the people uh just as there were also uh, just as there will also be false teachers among you who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who brought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Um, mm -hmm. and, 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 and we see, we see this warning multiple times in scripture. Um, we yep. see Luke writing it in Acts uh, chapter 20 and starting mm -hmm. in verse 28. We see the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy 2, 14 through, um, through 18. Um, so, so, I mean, it's, it's, and in fact, the Apostle Paul names two of those, uh, Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have gone astray mm -hmm. from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already taken place, and they upset the faith of some. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so. That, that's what you were getting at in context. Right. That's right. right. Um, so now let's go to something that's also a little more practical as far as denying Christ. Uh, Chris, is would you say canonic theology is a destructive heresy? Yes. Okay. Would you say that canonic theology denies the one true Christ. Yes. That's correct. So now not only are there professed believers who introduce destructive heresies such as kenosis, but mm -hmm. the, but when you introduce a heresy such as kenosis, you're rejecting the one true God and you're bringing in a false Christ. So right. yeah, you, you have people that profess Christ, but they profess a false Christ that yes. doesn't save. And yes. Um, I have heard on this, uh, this podcast, the one guy actually basically affirm kenosis. Yeah. Wh which is, uh, which is concerning. That's, I mean, it's, that's, you, you cannot affirm kenosis. Um, you cannot affirm canonic theology, the fact, and, and, and what canonic theology is, is he's putting his foot under the door. <laughs> Lawson is Lawson. Yeah. Nice. Um, uh, so you, you can't, you can't hold to kenosis, canonic theology. Um, you cannot hold to that. You cannot teach that and be an actual believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. Because canonic theology denies the deity of Christ. And, and we have addressed this multiple times on, on matter of theology. If you deny if you deny Christ's deity or humanity truly and fully on both sides, then you have a Christ that is not of scripture. You have a false Christ. Therefore, anyone who puts their faith in this false Christ has a false assurance of salvation. Um, mm -hmm. And, and th th they are not truly uh, of the elect. Right. Um, and, and, 
That is why kenosis and kenotic theology is so dangerous. That is why, um, that is why not many should desire to become teachers. Um, this is why Paul writes to uh, Timothy and, and, and says, don't be quick to lay hands on people. Um, that they have to be tested and tried. And unfortunately, you have have a lot of uh, self-professed pastors out there who cannot um, teach sound doctrine. And here's, here's, here's a big one. Refute those who contradict. Right. That's right. And, and so they refuse to call out Kenneth Hagan. They refuse to call out Todd White. They refuse to call out Bill Johnson. They refuse to call out uh, Kenneth Copeland. They refuse to call out Stephen Furtick. They refuse to call out Brian Houston and Hillsong. They refuse to call. I, mean, I can keep going. That's six right there. Right. There's there there's six proven false teachers. And going back to something else you said, mm -hmm. it, it's like look. Yes, just because, right? And, and, and how many times have you and I heard this, right? Well, we're going to be patient with people. We're going to give mm -hmm. them grace. We're going to, we're going to, you know, we're going to, we're going to let you know, just, just they're young, you know, they just don't know any better. Then they don't need to be on a platform then they don't need to be teaching in a podcast right. and whatever church they're a part of, the pastor needs to grow a spine, stand up, put his feet down and say, no, you are teaching heresy. And until I can prove and a plurality of elders can prove that you know your doctrine and can refute those who contradict, you aren't discipling anyone other than your family. And I'm going to walk hand in hand with you there too. Mm -hmm. you cannot teach this stuff. And then when someone brings you the truth, explain it away using straw man arguments. Mm -hmm. You right. can't do it. You are not biblically qualified at that point to hold the office of pastor. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And now, so uh, another one of the criticisms that came was, they took this and then went over to our favorite passage, Matthew 18. Okay. Oh, now, yeah, okay. okay. So <laughs> as many of you probably already know, Matthew 18 is about church discipline. So you have someone in your church. Uh, it has been found out that they are in some, some type of a sin. You are to go to them privately, right? personally. You're to go to them and confront them with the truth. If they persist in that sin, then you take one or two of your brothers. If, if they still persist, you take it to the pastor. If they still persist, they bring it before the church and then cast them out. Okay. That has First time Christ nothing. mentions the church, by the way, in the New Testament. Right. Right. Is in this that passage. has, yeah, that has absolutely nothing to do with calling out false teachers. I am, I am not under obligation to reach out to a false teacher privately and ask them about their false doctrine that they're teaching. You know why? Because you know what happens? You get blocked. How do I know? Or ignored. How do we know? Because <laughs> we've done it. We've yeah. reached out to them and asked questions and be like, hey, you said this. What did you mean by this? Can you explain this? Scripture says this. Can we talk about this? Boom. Block button. Okay. I'm still waiting on Andy's now, family to get back to me, by the way. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm still waiting on a lot of people, especially professed prophets, to uh, to get back to me. Well, and, but, and can, uh, I, can I just say this too, real quick? Which is weird because you know they. No, go ahead. Go ahead. 
there's a delay. Sorry, there's a delay. Go well, ahead. I was going to say, uh, well, I was going to say about the uh, the false prophets waiting for them to get back to me is that if they had the gift of prophecy, <laughs> they probably would have known I was going to to message them. So they probably should have blocked me ahead of time. But uh, right, right, and 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 okay. Look, so in context, right, Drew's right, absolutely right. Um, this is is written. Uh, this this is this is spoken by Christ. Um, uh, he has he's, he's gone through here. He's he's just talked about the temple tax. Who is the greatest in heaven? He's talked about stumbling blocks. Uh, the parable of the lost sheep was right before this, and now he is speaking about what to do if your brother sins. And so this is written in the context of, of, of the church, right? And from, right. from a discipline right. issue in the church. Now, now, and Drew is absolutely right. We are not biblically required to go to someone publicly um, uh, who is spreading false teaching publicly to, to, to follow this, th- th- this guideline. Now, is it good practice? Sure. Absolutely. Is it good practice for all of us in the universal church, the the invisible church, the holy Catholic church, Um, not Roman Catholic, Catholic as in universal church? Um, Yes. Is it it good to practice this? Sure. Absolutely. Is it required? No. No. No, it's not. Um, It's not at all. And and, and Mm. we, we, we see some descriptive examples of the apostle Paul doing the very same thing, one of which I just shared a few minutes ago. That's right. That's right. Now, let me also give another example. And this is going to lead into the second question. Okay. Uh, Steve Kozars from the Messed Up Church had on his uh, podcast, uh, he had a man, I forget his name, but he was the dance instructor, the dance teacher for Todd White's daughter. Okay. Now, He, I, I forgot how the, uh, how it came about, but he, he watched the American gospel DVD. Okay. He started reaching out to some people. I think Costi may have been one of them, um, that he reached out to. Um, well, he, he got a copy of the American gospel DVD and he reached out to Todd White because he had a relationship with Todd right? His daughter's dance instructor, right? So you're going to know parents. So he had a relationship with Todd. He was friends with Todd. Um, He said Todd would come in and he was always a very loving guy. And, um, you know, what you see of Todd on YouTube and how he acts, right? You know, that was kind of what was portrayed. He was just this very loving, caring guy. So this dance instructor gives Todd White a copy of the American Gospel DVD. And he says, hey, can you watch this? There's some things in here about you. And then we talk about it. Todd White took it and broke it. And he said, um, and he said, from that point on, their relationship was never the same. Mm. So there's Todd White for you. That's, That's what happens when you take these false teachers and you try to minister or talk to them about these things one on one. They get angry. And then their demeanor towards you change, changes, even if they're a friend, a close friend like that. Now, that leads into the second question, because the second question is, in speaking about healing ministries, there appears to be a difference between people who possess the gift of healing and those who pray for God to heal. And there is, I'm just going to say, there's a difference. 
between yes. the people yes. in the New Testament who possess the gift of healing. And right. then now when we just pray for God to heal, uh, I continue on. I say, who are those who possess the gift of healing? That way, if I get sick, I can go to them for my healing since they possess mm. that gift. Now, that is a little bit tongue in cheek. Okay. Uh, it's a little bit snarky, but at the same time, it's still valid. Still a valid question. If people do possess this gift and one of the people that he's, that the person answering this question said, possess the gift of healing was Todd White. Mm. Now, Todd White, here's the thing with Todd White. Todd White teaches canonic theology. He has been a proponent of it for a long time. Oh, yeah. Um, Todd White teaches sinless perfectionism. Yeah. He has said numerous times since his conversion, he has not sinned. Okay. That's false teaching. And the Holy Spirit does not indwell someone with the gift of healing who teaches falsely about Christ. Hmm. So, yeah, no. Um, so, for, yeah, gosh, man. This is why I like to have notes. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> All right. So, um, no one today, no one today possesses the gift, the apostolic gift of healing. No one. Right. Um, we see, clearly see that apostolic gift ceasing mm -hmm. in the New Testament. Um, when the last apostle, capital A apostle, which by the way, there are no capital A apostles anywhere in the world today. Nope. Uh, none, none. Um, when the last which apostle, is, which, you know, but, this is very interesting because Charles Fox Parham, who is really kind of where Pentecostalism kind of takes off, okay. um, in Topeka, Kansas, yep. he was taught by a man who called himself an apostle. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, not at all. Um, there's also currently, I was uh, uh, messaging back and forth with our friend Erin Coates uh, today because she she posted uh, uh, something on Instagram, uh, her Instagram stories um, uh, about a gentleman, I don't know his name, um, but uh, who, who teaches that he's an apostle, that he's a disciple, and that people don't need to go to Christ, they need to come to him. Mm, um wow. Yeah, they don't need to pray to Christ. They need to pray to Him. Um, and um, and 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 it was uh, Jacob. I don't know J Pastor Jacob's last name. Uh, I'm gonna. Uh, I, it starts with an R. Um, but but he he brought up in a sermon on the Lord's Day that these people, people like this, people like Todd White, people like this gentleman he's talking about, are more dangerous to the church than Justin Trudeau. They're more dangerous to the church than Joe Biden. They're more dangerous to the church than Vladimir Putin. They're more dangerous to the church than Kim Jong-un. They're more dangerous to the church than any, than any unbeliever fascist communist dictator that we find living today or has ever lived because these people are spreading lies. Yep. These people are, and I mentioned it earlier, they're preaching a false Christ, if Christ at all, um, and giving people false assurance of salvation. Todd White says that he hasn't sinned. Well, that in and of itself is a sin. 
Here's how right. I know. First John 1 John 1.8, if we say mm. that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us, right. um, period, period. And the people that claim to have capital A apostleship today, number one, they don't meet the criteria of, 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 of being a capital A apostle. You had to physically see the risen, physically see and be taught and commissioned by the risen Christ, um, which we do not have today. Um, but, and I've said this multiple times, Justin Peters has said this multiple times. And I heard this from John MacArthur, um, where Dr. MacArthur said, if the Lord is going to, um, give those apostolic gifts, the gift of healing, the gift of tongues, um, to anyone, he's not going to, because the reason that those gifts, uh, uh, existed in the first place and were given to the apostles is to establish their authority before the canon of scripture was closed. But if he were to do that again, he is not going to give those gifts to those who malign his word, profane his name, take his name in vain, um, and, and, and lead people to hell. He's not going to do it. Here's what he's going to do. Here's what the Lord's going to do. He's going to tie a millstone around these guys necks. Mm. And that is not where you want to be. Right. Uh, it, it would have been better for you to be in Sodom and Gomorrah than to be one of these men who are, are, are leading people astray like this. Right. This is, this is awful. You cannot, Todd White does not possess the gift of healing. He, That's right. he is a charlatan. Uh, yep. Todd White, um, he, he, he possesses the gift of, um, God, what's the word I'm looking for, brother? Um, deception. Deception. Buffoonery. Um, uh, I mean, manipulation, manipulation. Um, those are the only gifts that he possesses now, right. Is it, it, could he repent? Absolutely. Do you pray for him too? Absolutely. But, but look, he does not possess the gift of healing. No one does. And especially these people like, like uh, Kenneth Hagan, Kenneth Copeland, Todd White, um, all this stuff. If they possess the gift of healing, to quote my brother, Justin Peters, then they're some of the cruelest people on the planet. Because yep. if they truly possess the gift of healing and the heart of Christ, they would, as Christ did in the Gospels, would look around and see all the people that were hurting, that were, that were afflicted with all sorts of disease, and they would be in the business of, of healing them. Why don't they right. go to the children's healthcare of Atlanta and heal right. these precious children with cancer? You know, or St. Jude's go down or to St. Jude's, you know, but why, why aren't they, why aren't they in Ukraine right now? Yeah. Yeah. And, and the people that are caught in this conflict between Ukraine and Russia, they're healing people. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a joke. It's a joke. Well, I can, Man, I can tell you why Todd White doesn't go because healing or lengthening legs doesn't heal cancer. No, no. Growing out a leg doesn't heal cancer. And that's what he's known for growing out legs. And he just had a big heart issue and a heart scare, you know, just recently. (laughs) Weird. Bill Johnson wears glasses. Um, You know, Kenneth Copeland tried to make bald people's hair grow and they were still bald and tried to blow away COVID. Guess what? COVID's still around. It's like, come (laughs) on, people. You, right. Look, every time one of the apostles in scripture, when we, like we see in Acts that when the shadow of the apostles passed over those who were sick, they were healed. Yeah. Yeah. You don't see it today. It, yeah. it doesn't happen. Does the yeah. Lord heal miraculously? 
Yes. Yep. But no yep. one possesses the gift of healing. Yep. And we can, we can continue on in scripture. I mean, uh, Paul writes to Timothy, Timothy has stomach ailments regularly yep. Yep. because they're drinking water that has bacteria, parasites yep. in it. So yep. he, he has stomach ailments regularly. And what does Paul say? He doesn't say pray for your healing. He doesn't mm-hmm. say go find this other person. He says, yep. drink wine. Why? Yep. Because alcohol kills bacteria. Yeah. That's why, because alcohol, one of the main purposes was medicinal. It was yep. medicine. Yep. Paul himself had bad eyes. That's why he had mm-hmm. to have an amanuensis. All right. Yep. Paul didn't yep. heal himself or he didn't go seek healing. He didn't pray for his healing for, for his eyes. Um, who, who else? He, he left, uh, who was it? Trophimus left Trophimus, Trophimus sick yeah. in Miletus. Um, uh, well, and Paul himself also had a thorn in his side that actually caused him pain. And this is another thing. When you get into people like Andrew Womack, Andrew Womack, who is a false teacher, Andrew Womack says it's God's will for you to be healthy. Well, tell that to Paul who prayed for the thorn in his side, the agony to be taken away from him. And God mm. said, no. Right, right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and, and brother, you look at, you look at two, and, and, and of course, a lot of people will, will say, yeah, but, but we're commanded, right? We're, we, we know that Jesus wants to heal. And we know that the Bible says that, that, that you know, that, that there needs to be healing that takes place and, and all this stuff. But, and, but remember what man's greatest need is Gr- man's mm-hmm. greatest need. The greatest question that anyone Anyone made in the image of God, possessing distinct value, dignity, and worth, the main question that we all have to come to grips with is how can a sinful man be made right with a holy God? That's it. So I I think to Paul's words to Timothy in in 1 Timothy 4, and he he says, you know, in verse 8, for bodily training is only of little profit, but Mm -hmm. godliness is profitable for all things since it holds promise for the present life and also the life to come. That's it. Yep. Temporal yep. healing. You know, Jesus healed people who are in hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do we understand that? Christ came to pre, he, he said, I, now is the time. Repent and believe, repent and believe, repent and believe. Yep. That was why he came to preach repentance and faith in him, mm-hmm. not, not let me meet your temporal needs. Now, look, we all have temporal needs. And, and you know, if, for, for those who don't know, I mean, my, my wife deals with chronic health issues. Do we pray for her to, to the Lord to heal her? I can't tell you how many times I have. Mm-hmm. Justin, Pete, we've mentioned Justin multiple times. Justin has cerebral palsy. Right. You know, you to, to look at someone and say, oh, well, Chris, you know, the reason your wife isn't healed is because she doesn't have enough faith and neither do you. To look at a guy like Justin says, oh, you don't have enough faith. Uh-uh. That is, that is mm-hmm. spiritual abuse of, 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 one, of the, right. one of the highest things you can right. do. Right. Absolutely now, I will, say, uh, I will say that this guy would actually agree with you. And he actually, he has, he has said publicly that, I, that when people say you don't, your healing doesn't come because you have enough don't have enough faith. He actually has said that is disgusting. So then good on why, him for that. And, and I, okay. And I, I agree with yeah. you, but, but then right. again, why I hold like, to these people. Thank you. 
Why promote it? Why promote him? If that's disgusting, you should have nothing to do with it. Right. Nothing to do with it. You should expose it for the disgust, how disgusting it is. Right. That's right. Um, uh, and what, another one of the things he also said about healing was he said, you know, look at all the healings that are going on in Africa to which I just simply say, yeah, let's talk to Conrad and Bayway about that and Vody yeah. who are down in Africa and they would disagree with you. They would actually say those are false healings and false moves of the spirit. Uh, but let's move on because we can spend <laughs> an entire Brother, episode we, on yeah. each one of these yeah, questions. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Go, ahead. Go ahead. Now I'm gonna skip. I'm gonna skip question three because it's one I know would have completely undone his entire uh, position. Um, Did he so skip li- question three? Yeah, yeah. Okay. He didn't answer all of, them, but uh, okay. He, he, he and some and really he didn't answer any of them. <laughs> actually, <laughs> but uh, uh, let's see. Now okay. you got me want to know what question three was. <laughs> well, well, you're going to have to wait because we're, we're, we're going to bring it up. So let's try okay. to uh, let, let's try to move, move through some of these. So question okay. four was, it seems as though you believe people in the church make too much out of doctrine. Now, I didn't say uh, you now he, he misread the question or misquoted it, which I don't know okay. why he just didn't have it in front of him reading it uh, word for word because he misrepresented the question when I asked him. He said, well, you're, you're making it seem like we don't care about doctrine when we do. And I said, and well, the question doesn't say that. The question says, it seems as though you believe people in church make too much out of doctrine and doctrinal distinctions. What is your take on the need for pastors and preachers to teach what is in accordance with sound doctrine and be able to refute those who contradict it? So now... He said, well, if you listen to this podcast, we talk about doctrine and we think doctrine's important. Okay. But yes, I also listen to the podcast and I know that in, a, in the very next sentence, you will say something like, but you know, people just, they get so wrapped up in their doctrine and we get all these just divisions and factions that we just don't need to have. Um, well, doctrine, especially sound doctrine, creates division and factions. Which is why, and I gave several several scriptural passages. I gave you know First Timothy six, Titus one nine, and Titus two one. Now I'm I'm specifically going to mention Titus one nine because it says talking about the qualifications of elders. He is to teach what is in accordance with sound doctrine and be able to refute those who contradict it. Now this tells us. Since you are to teach with what is in accordance with sound doctrine, that sound doctrine exists. Now, if you have one doctrinal distinction and then you have another teacher that has a different doctrinal distinction about the same topic and they're in, in contradiction with one another, well, they're not sound, right? There, there's a conflict there. They both can't be right. Only one of them can be right. And we should be in pursuit of the truth. Because Paul says sound doctrine exists, we should teach it, and then those who do not teach it, we are to refute them. We are to rebuke them. Yeah, I've, I've heard, I, I, I've heard this um, argument for years. I mean, years, bro. Um, concerning, you're just too focused on doctrine. 
Um, we just need to be unified. Um, we just need to love each other. And uh, I actually heard one uh, quote unquote elder say in, an, in a meeting that we were having with a bunch of men about unity, we were told to go around the circle and was sitting, sitting at a huge table and everybody pick out a passage of scripture that has to do with unity and read it and no context, no, just, just, just find something. And one of the quote unquote elders said this, and I'll never forget it. He said, well, we just all just need to do what the, and he said the lead pastor's name, just, just be unified around him and do what he says. <laughs> we just need to have unity. We just need to have unity, 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 wow. unity, unity, unity. Um, and to, to, to which, you know, to, to, to which I say this, I'm, I'm going to quote Martin Lloyd-Jones here. And, I, and no, I don't have notes, but I have this quote written down because I refer back to it often. Martin Lloyd-Jones said this, quote, the ultimate question facing us these days is whether our faith is in men and their power to organize in um, the truth of God and Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me put it another way. Are we primarily concerned about the size of the church or the purity of the church, both in doctrine and in life? Question mark, close quote. <laughs> what, what are we more concerned with? The, the purity of the church and the truth or, well, I feel like this passage of scripture means this. I feel like X, Y, and Z. When Jesus Christ himself in praying for the elect in John 17 said, sanctify them by the truth, your word is truth. We, we, we have to understand that, that we have to be united in doctrine. Yep. True biblical unity <laughs> Thank you. I think to that a minute. It, it, true biblical unity has to be based on truth, and truth is divisive. Doctrine, doc, Dr. John MacArthur said this: the doctrine divide. Yes, it divides. It divides truth from error. It absolutely right. does. Right. We we as believers should be like the seventeen who counted more righteous because they were constantly examining the scriptures, mm. constantly. So. No, you, you, you have to be, it has to be about doctrine. It has to be about all of life to the glory of God, according to the word of God, yep. you know, Colossians three sixteen. let the word of Christ richly dwell in you. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I mean, you, you read it, you know, Titus one nine or quoted it holding fast to the faithful word. Paul writes yep. to his young you child in the faith, holding fast the faithful word, which is in accordance with the teaching. Mm -hmm. the teaching so that he will be able both to exhort encourage in sound doctrine and reprove correct oppose those who contradict it yep. it's it's the most loving thing you can do for your church as a pastor scratch that the most loving thing you can do for your church as a member of your church is be a man or woman a child of god who is concerned with doctrine yep that's right so yeah um so the only the only way he answered that is to say well you're not listening because we talk about doctrine all the time it's what 
you know, why we do this podcast. And, but yeah, you talk about the doctrine of demons. That's what you talk about, <laughs> but he misrepresented the question anyway. So he still didn't, um, and to actually answer the question as the question was, was written anyway. Uh, question five, <laughs> who is a critic of your position and movement that you see has done the research, study, and Bible work that you would be willing to hear explain why you hold to false teachers or movement? He didn't answer. Didn't answer. Why? He probably doesn't think there are any, any critics. He probably hasn't, doesn't even listen to them and know that they uh, are actually valid in their critique. So, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and, and can, can I say something about that real quick? Sure. Yeah. And see, here, here's the problem with that. All right. So I've been reading through, you know, doing the, the daily Bible reading for, mm-hmm. um, for 2022. And in the book of Proverbs, something that I stopped when I read this, man, I stopped when I read this because it was, it was, it was wildly um, convicting and, and, and encouraging at the same time. Okay. Proverbs nine in um, verse seven says, he who disciplines a scoffer receives disgrace for himself. And he who reproves a wicked man receives injury for himself. Verse eight, do not Reprove a scoffer, lest he hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Okay, I'm going to read verse 8 again. <laughs> do, do not reprove a scoffer, lest he hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. So here's where my mind started going with that, brother, is I went, man. Like, first I was like, man, wow. Okay, so how many times have, you know, do we see even... Even with, with brothers who we would say they are believers, we affirm that mm-hmm. absolutely. They are in our camp, man. They are, they are, they mm-hmm. are, they are men we would um, we would go into battle with, right? So, mm-hmm. so I'm gonna go, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just aside here for a second. When you're a special operator in the Navy, Navy SEAL, okay, uh, you make it through BUDS, so you're a SEAL. Mm-hmm. Um, you may get assigned to a SEAL team, but then you go through this thing called green teams, okay? And it's another selection process. And once you get out of green team, you could either be a tier one operator or other special operators. You're still a special operator, but those tier one operators, SEAL team six, you know, you, you think about guys like, uh, I don't think, I don't think Chris Kyle was on SEAL team six, but I think of Chris Kyle, Kevin Lass. He, he, I think he, no, he, he was three. He, he was SEAL team three. Yeah. Cause he um, was, uh, uh, golly, what's the, what was the name of their, their crew with the Punishers. Jocko? Punishers, but, but no, but there was another name for it. Uh, I, I, I can't remember. So, uh, so Jocko was their team. Lead. Yeah. So j- j- like guys like Jocko Wheeling, Jack Carr, um, you know, just, just right. Th- these, these true heroes. And as far as, as far as the military goes. So, but when you're selected to be a tier one operator, it means you're the cream of the crop, the best of the best. You're teachable. You're a team guy. Okay. So th- th- there are those brothers inside of our camp, right? That, that we would say, and this is probably a bad, bad analogy now that I think about it, but it, I'm still going to go with it. Uh, so, but there are guys inside of our own camp that we would say, Hey, you're a seal, right? You, you are a special operator. We, we affirm that and what I mean by that you're, you're, you're a pastor. You're, 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 you're doing your thing. Um, 
but there, but there are guys inside of our own camp that when, if, if we were to see them in error or doing something that had optics that just looked a little egotistical, like if we go to reprove them, how do they respond? They make it defensive. They may not accept it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's those other guys that we know if we go to them and we say, Hey brother, this just doesn't look good. Or, Hey, you said this from the pulpit or on a social media post or whatever the case may be. And they're like, man, thank you for pointing that out. Yeah. Let me, mm-hmm. let me go fix that. Right. Like mm-hmm. I think of, uh, I think of what RC Sproul said about MacArthur. I know if I go to John MacArthur with, with something that's, you know, that, that, that I, I go to him with something in scripture that, that he needs to change. He'll do it regardless of what it costs him. So when right. I was reading that, okay, my point in saying all this. So when I was reading Proverbs nine, eight, I was like, man, I hope that when my brothers come to me and correct me, that I don't respond in a way that makes them think I hate them, but mm-hmm. that I respond in a way um, that, 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 that shows wisdom mm-hmm. and that they know I love them. Okay. So, so I say all of that. And again, it may not, it may not be the right, right word picture. And this is again, why I like notes, but, but I say all that to say, when you go to people like this and you, you, you show them scripture, brother, there was more doctrine in your questions than how they responded. (laughs) So, but when you go to them and you say, can you tell me one critic of your position that you would agree with and listen to, and and they, they either don't address the question or they, they scoff, literally Mm -hmm. scoff at it or scoff at you. Mm -hmm. Oh, you MacArthur guys. Right. <laughs> right. Right. That's right. That's it. So That's it. <laughs> I, I, I look at, I, I read Proverbs eight and I, I immediately prayed. I'm like, God, I don't want to be a fool. I don't want to be a buffoon when someone, I, I don't want someone to say, I, you know, I don't want someone to read Proverbs nine, eight and be like, well, I tried to reprove Chris, but he was a scoffer and, and a right. fool. And, and that was, that was, you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, I want mm-hmm. people to be able to come to me and be like, Hey, I think you're wrong in this, this, this area. Here's the scripture to back it up and let's mm-hmm. talk about it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we're going to stack hands at the end and I love you and, and you're my brother and, and Hey, we're still special operators together, right? Like we're still, we're still on the same team. So, so yeah, man, I just, when, when, when you, when he's, and they may end up addressing it, but when, when you initially read that just now, I immediately thought of that. And what a, what a reminder for all of us, right? Let us be the type of men and women that when reproved, um, you know, we, we, we show love to the one reproving us as long as they're reproving us according to scripture. That's right. That's right. You know, and I've got, <clears throat> I've got no problem being corrected. Um, and I've even, man, you know this cause you watched and, and yeah. other people <laughs> have watched too. Um, I, it happened live. Right. It happened live <laughs> with uh, with Jim Osman. Now, he, now we were we were having a discussion about one one tiny little sliver aspect <laughs> of uh, the difference between post mill and pre mill. And we were taught we, we had really gotten off topic and we got into something else and we were talking about it. And he pointed out that my position, what I was saying, couldn't be correct because of who. John was writing to um, at a specific time in the book of Revelation. Um, and, so funny, it, and it caused me to stop and go, 
you know what? You're right. You're right. I, <laughs> You're I right. don't have anything I can say about that. I, I, yeah, I can't say anything. You're right. I didn't think about that. Duh. <laughs> right? well, see, bro, bro, and going going back to what we're you know this whole the questions and 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 this podcast that we're talking about, uh, you know, going back to the crux of the issue. This is why frameworks are so important, and this is why exegesis mm-hmm. versus eisegesis. Right is so crucial in not just for the pastor, but for all Mm -hmm. believers, we don't need, I think this. So therefore I'm going to go find it in scripture, or I'm going to hold to to, to the Pentecostal charismatic worldview. Okay, great. Or or a a ministry philosophy. Fantastic. Okay. so, So do this, do this for me. Trace back the lineage of those who hold to that ministry, mm-hmm. the charismatic Pentecostal view. Tell me how far back that goes. Tell me about the people who started that quote unquote movement. And then, mm-hmm. and then here's what I want you to do afterwards. Now let's look at how far back that goes and where can you trace that lineage to? Because when it comes to the mm-hmm. reformed tradition, the reformed position on, on proper biblical interpretation it goes all the way back to Christ himself right. through the apostles. Right. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. Right. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. So let's, uh, man, let's keep going. <laughs> let's move on. Uh, so that was, uh, that was question five, you know, and, and man, here's the thing, you know, just, just to kind of wrap up question five a little bit, you and I were reformed. Right. We, we make no secrets about that. We're not ashamed right. about that. Right. But because we're reformed, we receive criticism all the time. And so guess what? We're not oh, afraid yes. of it. No. <laughs> we're not afraid of it. And we'll gladly talk to you about it. But what we're not going to do is we're not going to misrepresent you or we're, we're going to actually get to what you believe. And if you ask us a question, we're going to seek to understand your question as you asked it. And so that we can answer it fully and right. understand we're not going to cut corners. Um, right. So uh, question six, what is the purpose and role of the Holy Spirit? Now, he tried to tie this in with another question that he was answering, but he didn't really answer it. Um, well, but we covered this on Holy Spirit Activate. I was about to say, I mean, we did a whole episode on this. <laughs> we did, a, yeah, we did a whole episode. So, if you want to know our answer to that, go check out Holy Spirit Activate. Uh, but I will tell you this: the purpose and role of the Holy Spirit is to magnify and glorify Christ, and He is to do that in our lives, in us, pointing us, directing us, leading us, guiding us, keeping us in Christ. It is not so that we can uh, speak in tongues. Mm-hmm. It is not so that. And you know what? Let me tell you this, because even John MacArthur, Todd Friel, guys who would, you know, other cessationists, we would say that if God wanted to, he could allow someone to speak in a different language in another place in order to present the gospel. Right. Sure. Um, Yep. We would just say it's not normative. It doesn't happen as it did in the New Testament. Now, mm-hmm. but I want to be sure, should that happen, it is to magnify Christ, present the gospel, okay? <laughs> the, so that the, the Holy Spirit moves in the tongue that we have so that we may glorify and edify and preach Christ. He moves uh, in our bodies so that we may live in a way that, that glorifies Christ 
and edifies one another. Um, so those are just and he's, a couple. Yeah, of and he and, and I'll say this, and, and Drew's right. Go listen to Holy Spirit Activate. I I did open my notes when you read that question, just in case we. But but I think that's good. Just just go listen to the episode. Um, but let me mm-hmm. l- let me let me just say this. Yeah, Drew's right. The the role of the whole look the Holy Spirit um, is is both co-equal and co-eternal yep. uh, with the Father. Mm-hmm. And the Son. In fact, let me just Belgic Confession of Faith, Article Eleven. We believe and confess also that the Holy Ghost is from eternity, uh, proceeds from the Father and the Son, and therefore is neither made, created, nor begotten, but only proceedeth from both. Who in order is the third person of the Holy Trinity of one and the same essence, majesty, and glory with the Father and the Son, and therefore is the true and eternal God, as the Holy Scriptures teach us. The Holy Spirit is not going to elevate or magnify himself um, above the other members of the Trinity, and he is not going to do anything that's going to contradict the other members of the Trinity or the word written or living word of God. Um, And I'll, I'll leave with this quote from John Owen, quote, the persons of the Trinity are undivided in their operations, acting all by the same will, the same wisdom, the same power. Every person, therefore, is the author of is the author of every work of God. And the divine nature is the same undivided principle of all divine operations, period, close quote. Mm-hmm. Yep, there you go. Look at you bringing out that three forms of unity right there. Booyah! <laughs> all right, well, let's move on. Question seven. What determines whether or not a church is, quote unquote, spirit filled, not answered? We're going to get into that. I was just about to say that. I was just about to say that. Hey, plug for the next episode of Matter of Theology, season three, episode five, because this is four. Season three, episode five will be entitled, What is a Spirit-Led Church? That's right. Spirit-filled, spirit-led church. That's right. There you go. So question eight. What determines whether a church is, quote unquote, successful or not? Not answered. Per, what, what, what would your answer to that be? Oh, gosh. Uh, let's see. What determines whether or not a church is successful? Yes. Because um, I have an answer. I'm just curious of your answer. My, uh, what, okay. What, what's going to determine that if, um, man, brother, that's a loaded question. Um, there's so many things that are flying through my head right now. Um, let me keep it simple. What determines the success of a church according to God Mm -hmm. is if his word is obeyed through and through in all practices, words, deeds, worship, um, and, and Christ is magna Christ is elevated. It's Christ's church. Um, like if I had to give one elevator pitch answer, that would be it. Okay. So I, so that's a more exhaustive, uh, answer of my answer. Uh, if I had, if I had to give a short, concise answer, it would be, uh, what determines whether or not a church is successful is if, uh, Christ is glorified in all areas of the church and in the life growing in holiness of the people in the church. Yeah, bro. So if your people aren't growing in holiness, uh, you don't have a successful church, no matter how many people fill the doors. (laughs) 
doctor. Well, let's move on. Okay, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, uh, yeah, keep going. Yeah. I, I, I was, uh, I was wanting to camp out, but keep going. <laughs> question number nine. Question number nine. Okay. Can a church that claims to be a Christian church have the appearance of being successful and yet be a false church with false leaders teaching false doctrine? Yes. Yes, it can. Simple. Guess what? Went unanswered. See Hillsong. See Bethel. Joel Olstein's church. See Bethel. Uh, see, see Passion City Church. Lifeway Christianity. Craig Rochelle's church. See North Point Community Church. See, I could keep going. Right. Uh, I mean, bro. I mean, I could, I could, I could start naming churches around here too. So, bro, I, I mean, that's. That's such a simple question. It's just a yes or no question. Can a church yeah. claim these things? Yes, it can. That's yeah. and it went unanswered. Okay. Can a believer question. claim those things? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Question 10. And this one, this one was actually meant to be just kind of a little more looser question, kind of a little more fun question, uh, to kind of take ease some of the tension, I guess. Oh um what who or who are some pastors slash theologians outside of your camp that you read and listen to? Okay. And they didn't answer it? Well, he so he mentioned because in a previous episode, he mentioned Vodi, Vodi Bakum. Okay. Love now Vody. the interesting thing is that Vodi Bakum would refute everything in his in his position. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> that's that's a crazy thing. Now but he, he, he does say he's very appreciative of Vody's uh, work and stance against CRT. Um, and yes, Vody, Vody does do a lot of work in that. Um, I think he was, one of the, he was one of the first people that brought attention to that in the church. Um, but Chris, for you, who are some pastors, theologians outside of, outside of the Reformed camp um, that you may listen to or read Charles Wesley. Okay, good. That's a good one. Um, I have read Wayne Grudem. Okay. Um, which I know he's probably still considered. I don't know if he consider himself reformed just, but, but where Wayne and I part ways as far as, uh, agreement, as far as theology and, and philosophy goes are on the gifts of the spirit. Right. Um, um, Oh gosh, man. Um, I used to, well, no, Matt Chandler would call, him, would call himself reformed. Um, mm-hmm. I used to read Matt Chandler, uh, a good bit. In fact, the explicit gospel was one of my favorite books mm-hmm. for a while. Um, outside of the reform camp, I'd say the most I read is Charles Wesley outside of the reform camp currently. Okay. Um, yeah. What about you? Um, so since my background is charismatic, it is vineyard. Uh, I've read a lot of people that are outside of the reform camp um, yeah. and listened to a lot of people like John Wimber. Um, oh, so is this, is this like a, like who have you read? So this is like, no, this is not, no, this right is, now. no, no. I'm just saying, you know, who have I, I, I I'm just kind of oh, going back there oh, okay. and tracing forward. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I could do that too. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, so, so just coming from a charismatic perspective, I have read a lot of people and listened to a lot of people, which actually gives me some kind of great insight into those perspectives as to why I don't hold to them anymore. But uh, one person I do think um, I have read, I, I disagree with a lot of what he says, and I think he needs to be read with 
extreme caution is RT Kendall. Uh, RT Kendall, uh, if you're unfamiliar with who he is, he is reformed in his soteriology, but he is charismatic. And he was actually, he actually took over Westminster Chapel after Martin Lloyd Jones. That's right. And so uh, RT Kendall actually wrote the foreword to the book Preaching and Preachers for Martin Lloyd Jones. Uh, but he, his reign at, or his stay at Westminster Chapel was very short lived because he was trying to introduce charismatic teachings and doctrines into Westminster Chapel. Uh, but RT Kendall, um, I did a book study years ago with just some friends who I was in the vineyard with, and we did the book called Holy Fire, which is about, um, mm. it's about the Holy Spirit. Now, I think he's got some very wonky views on the Holy Spirit, but in this book, there are some little nice practical uh, applications for kind of private study and in prayer life, um, how to pray. Um uh, and actually um, submit to, I don't want to use charismatic language, like submit to what the spirit's doing, but kind of be <laughs> making yourself, making yourself sensitive. Right. So, mm -hmm. so us as reform guys, we kind of have this, uh, uh, this, this way of being kind of stoic almost. Right. Um, sure. And not, sure. not, sure. not opening up our heart. Whereas right. um, I think one of the things RT um, really brings out is kind of just this uh, childlikeness and prostrating yourself before the Father and saying, "I need you to," uh, and, and Holy and will the Holy Spirit just just lead me into the presence of the Father? Um, I think mm -hmm. RT Kendall does a good job of that, but I think a lot of his views are kind of wonky. And he needs to be read with caution. And so if you don't have a firm grasp on doctrine, don't read him. <laughs> okay? Right, 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 um, right. But at the same time, doing research in different things, there's other people that I have to read. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, even I went to Liberty, so I had to read a lot of people. Like, um, I'm not a dispensational premillennialist, but... Right. Liberty is a dispensational premillennialist school. So I've had to read Tim LaHaye and Ed Litton. I've had to read their books oh, and commentaries. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty bad. Um, I've had to read their books and commentaries on, uh, on revelation and things like that. I've had to read Elmer Towns, whom I very much disagree with on a lot of things. And I think he gets mm. a lot of things wrong. Um, but, uh, but I have had to read them. And, uh, but not only that, even being a post mill, Guess what? Guess who I listen to a lot of? John MacArthur. And I, I firmly disagree with his views on eschatology, but guess what? He's right, I believe, everywhere else. So. Well, and yeah, yeah, brother. I mean, I've, I've read Bill Johnson. I've, I'm again for yep. research. I've read and, Bill Johnson. Yep. Yep. Uh, I've read some stuff written by Brian Houston from Hillsong, Louis Giglio. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, you know, a couple of bunch I've of read, books. So, man, I've read stuff by uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but he's from IHOP. He wrote a book. He actually wrote a really decent book called Covenant with Your Eyes, and it's about um being careful of what you put in front of your face, uh, especially as men, uh, being very visual and stuff. And it was, you know, it was a very. I think it was a. 
it didn't have a lot of the IHOP theology in it, but it was a very practical book as far as, you know, being cautious of what goes before your eyes. Um, and then there's another book by Corey Russell that I have called on prayer, but I never read it. I don't know where it is. It's, it's, it got lost somewhere in all the books. Um, so yeah, I've listened, read and listened to a lot of people outside of my camp. Yeah. Same, same brother. Same, same. So now let's get into this, this other question about neo-reformed. And I, I brought up this question to the main host because in a previous episode, he mentioned uh, people being neo-reformed. And so I simply mm. asked him, who would you consider to be a neo-reformed teacher? Well, he didn't answer the question. He answered it with a, a proverb, um, and I can't remember which one he cited, but it was, you know, if you don't, you know, not belittling the brethren, but if you don't have an answer, you know, a wise man stays silent. Mm-hmm. But it's really weird because if that's your position, then don't use the term neo-reform to describe anything. Right. Because you brought it up in an episode. And so I'm asking you, who are these that you're referring to? And then, so to not answer the question about a word that you brought up, (laughs) uh, I'm a little worried about that. Then don't use the word. But here's what he did say. He said, I would direct people, if you want to learn about neo-reformed, I would direct you to Scott McKnight because he's the one that coined the term. Okay, well, here's the issue with Scott McKnight. I had heard that name before and I was like, where have I heard that name before? And so I YouTubed him, Scott McKnight, lo and behold, a video that I had watched already popped up on the new perspective of Paul, and then it hit me. Okay, Scott McKnight studied under a man named Jim Dunn. Jim Dunn wrote a big, big, thick volume on the theology of Paul, and that's what it's called, the theology of Paul. And in there, Jim Dunn explains a position that he developed and created with Ed Sanders called the new perspective on Paul. So now you're directing me to a person who holds to the new perspective on Paul, which is a false teaching. Not only that, this guy holds to theistic evolution. Oh gosh. And so now, yeah. So he was, he was actually speaking at a BioLogos event. Um, and <laughs> several of the, uh, one of the, one of the speeches he gave was how, how genetics, how modern genetics made me rethink my view of Genesis one through three. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that's problematic, especially when you get into, you know, uh, William Lane Craig recently um, wrote his book. Uh, look about the historical Adam, where he lays out this entire case um, uh, that's that's completely false um, about the historical Adam. Which, Lord willing, in a later episode, we will talk about that guest. Um, yeah, but uh, but yeah, I just thought it was interesting that I asked this question because he brought up the term. And then didn't answer the question about a term he brought up. Mm. So that's fascinating. So are you ready to get into this third question? Yes. I, 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 I was just thinking, I was like, bro, we got to go back to number three. (laughs) 
Okay. Now here's the question that he didn't, he didn't go to because this is a question that actually refutes his entire position. Okay. On word of faith, healing and all those things. Okay. So here's question three that I asked. Also in line with healing ministries, what are your thoughts on Costi Hinn, the nephew of Benny Hinn, a colleague and promoter of your favorite teachers? Costi used to work with Benny, but has since come to faith in Christ and rebuked the teachings of the Word of Faith movement after having grown up in their teachings. You can't answer that. You know why? Because it refutes his entire position. Because Costi does everything. Costi grew up in that and has refuted it saying it's all fake. Wow. And they just ignored it. Just ignored it. Now, I don't even think he knows who Costi Hinn is. I, I would hope that one of them does. One of them and, actually does because I mentioned it to him. Okay. And, and so neither one of them addressed that question. Nope. Okay. I mean, brother, it just goes back to the same kind of concept as in, as in Proverbs 9. It's like, you know, if, if you can't, I mean, it just shows the, the foolishness um, and the immaturity. If you, if, I mean, when, when reproved and, or asked a question, you can't respond to it. We're all called to be apologists, right? That's, that's 1 Peter 3. Always be sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts and always be prepared to give defense for the hope that you have, but do so with gentleness. So, yeah, I mean, they're not going to address that. One of them's not going to, and this, this, this illuminates a bigger problem that I, I want to talk about with you um, is one of them is not going to get into it because it undoes his position. And one of them is not going to get into it because he doesn't want to offend the other one. When the other one is offending the Lord by this blasphemous doctrine of demons that he's promoting. Right. That's it. That's right. So it, 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 you know, if you say, if you say you love Christ, you should obey his commands, right? Mm-hmm. That's Christ's words himself. If you say you love me, why don't you obey my commands? Mm-hmm. Um, and it just shows that if you're not willing, if you're not willing to stand for the truth, when, when, when God's name, God's word is maligned, it shows that you're ashamed of God. Mm. It shows that you're ashamed of God's word. And it shows that you have a fear of man above a fear of God. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. I, you know it, what else you, this question does? If you answer yeah. this question, this question also refutes his answer to question two, where he listed Todd White as a, as a, true as a person who possesses the gift of healing. And that's because Todd White was saved under the ministry of Benny Hinn, quote unquote saved. And he was taught by Benny Hinn and Kenneth Copeland. So to address Costi Hinn, who has refuted his uncle and said it come out and said, it's all false. Therefore refutes your answer to the second question of Todd White. Because that means now Todd White is not actually who you say he is. 
So right. all of these questions are, were actually done with a purpose, as you see. <laughs> but, uh, I, I mean, you can see how just one can unravel the other. Yes, yes. And, and you know, brother, it, it brings up something else, man. It, Isaiah, okay? Isaiah in Isaiah 5 and verse 20. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe, cursed are those who call evil good and good evil. You know, you look at you look at people like Bill Johnson and Bethel and the the nonsense that comes out of there. And there have been, you know, we, we've talked about this on Matter of Theology a bunch. That, that, that there are people that you and I have talked to who have defended Bill Johnson through through cussing and yelling and raving and ranting and screaming, yep. calling evil good and good evil, and they would call themselves reformed. Yep. They like would. brethren, we are called to examine the fruits. Of, of each other, number one, mm-hmm. but especially our teachers. Yeah. We are called to examine them. If you call yourself a pastor and you hold to, you say you hold to any reformed theology, yet you are not going to speak up when someone promotes Todd White as a quote unquote faithful brother who possesses the gift of healing. Woe to you. Yep. Woe that, that those are scriptures words, not mine. And that goes for, and that goes for all of us, right? Woe to me for the times that when I was, when I was leading music full time in a church, woe to me when I was putting before the people, the Lord uh, placed me to lead when I was putting Hillsong and, and elevation and Bethel before them, one, two Bethel songs that I, that I did, but still I did them. Like, I, I mean, the, the same goes for us. Yep. Yes, there's grace and yes, there's kindness, but, but, but brothers we, and sisters, look, we, <laughs> we have to be very, very careful and we have to examine, e- examine all things, mm-hmm. especially, especially what our teachers are teaching us because they're caring for souls. You know, it's, it's, if you think about the majority of the, of the people we criticize, it's people who claim to be reformed. <laughs> it's people who claim to be in our own camp that we criticize on the show. Right. Well, and, <laughs> I find and that very interesting. It is interesting. Well, and brother, you know, you and I have talked about this privately. We've talked about it publicly. Uh, we aren't perfect and, and we are on uh, the, the, the same journey that every professing believer in the Lord Jesus Christ is on. And the mm-hmm. fact that the Lord through his word is sanctifying us, the Lord through his word is, ex- is laying us bare, exposing the sin in our lives. And, and then we have to, we have to actually do something about it. We have got to go to war with our flesh and kill, kill, mortify the deeds of the flesh, Paul said. So it's, it's, this is true for you and I as well. Yep. We are, 
Absolutely. It is. This is true for us. Like, I mean, we're in the same boat and we, we don't say these things. And I said this in our last episode, we don't say these things from some high and mighty position because we think we have it all figured out. And that matter of theology is the be all and end all for all things theology related. That is so not true. This is a very, very small podcast in a sea of, 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 uh, of spiritual giants who you and I look up to um, and are thankful for. And, 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 and look, I mean, we've all been there, but golly, at the same time, it's like, you know, we, like I said, at the top, we, we do this out of love and care and concern for Christ church, the purity of Christ church, um, not to elevate ourselves. So I, I, I want to, I want to throw that out there. So yeah, I, I do want to get into something else that they said in there about the sovereignty of God. I think we should actually save that because I think you and I were already going to prepare an episode on the sovereignty of God. It's true. We were, we're giving a lot of behind the scenes information. In this one. That's true. That's true. Plus we I think we've already been going for a long time, longer than we expected. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I know this episode, I, yeah, I know my wife is probably virtually choking me, strangling me <laughs> through the door, wishing I would hurry up. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So we want to thank you for tuning into this bonus episode of Matter of Theology. We've already right. given you some behind the scenes things. Uh, look out for the next episode that is going to be on the, what is a spirit filled mm-hmm. slash spirit led church. Mm-hmm. And uh, in a future episode, we're going to be tackling the doctrine of the sovereignty of God, because Mm -hmm. let me tell you something, Chris, it is a tier one primary issue. It is not a secondary issue. No, no, that's right. No. And and, And I'll say this, I'll say this about it because the sovereignty of God is one of his attributes. It's one of his divine attributes to say, to diminish the sovereignty of God to a secondary issue is to diminish and malign the character and nature of God. Yep. That's what I'm going to say about that. So we want to thank you for joining in. We hope that this has sparked some interest for future episodes that are on the way. We hope that you've even had fun uh, journeying with us through some of these questions that presented, not answered or answered, but with non-answered answers. Um, So we want to thank you for joining us and we will catch you on the next one. Good day.